Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit CARON.org slash lost. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last on the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Can you feel it in the air? Is that Hillary Clinton coming back for a 2020 presidential run? No. Whoa. Hot take. No. Hot take. Henry's a Whoa. No. It's not. You know what it is? Oh. 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 That's the sound of ghost shits. Oh. <laughs> hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Oh. This is the last podcast on the left. I am Ben staring at the beautiful grill of Marcus. Hello. Hello. Oh, my beautiful grill. And of course, we have ghost crap, Henry Zabrowski. <laughs> okay, so this is my ghost crap voice. Okay. Oh, my wife is in hell. <laughs> right? That's my ghost voice, which I could possibly use yeah, I like for today's that. episode, which is super spooky because we're heading to the Halloween season. Okay. Or do I use my skeleton voice for the rest of the day? Okay, let's see. You want to hear it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad to be a part of this hell. I'm so glad to be here with my best friend. Just joking and learning. Joking and learning with me and my best friend. Oh, man. This is one of those moments where if we were a a visual medium, people Mm -hmm. would have really enjoyed to see the... Shattering of Henry's teeth clacking up and down. But you know what's the scariest thing of all, besides ghosts, residual hauntings, or intelligent or otherwise? Is as you're balding, you can really feel drips of sweat go through the last stalks of hair <laughs> on the top of your skull. Like it like it's the movie Ants. Um, <laughs> and you can feel uh, like Woody Allen just running between all of the things that look like giant trees to him. Yes, indeed. <laughs> all right, everyone. So why are we talking about ghosts? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you why. Because today's topic, this is one of the most haunted houses in the history of haunted homes. Oh, absolutely. And we are talking about, it's a funny name, so get ready for it, <laughs> Borley Rectory, part one. <laughs> it, is just, it is just that funny to you, but I will say, we heard last podcast on the left, we have matured. Haven't we, boys? Yes. Yeah, I mean, in quite, our ways. Yeah. Quite a bit. We've matured. We've gotten older. Some of us have gotten married. Some of us will get divorced. Yeah. yeah. But- what I think is important is that we know now that we are going to carefully and educationally and, and, and maturely decide when we will do 
wrecked her damn near killed her. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, that's yeah, very. We have matured. Did the two of you work on your wrecked her damn near killed her jokes like I asked you to? Henry and I have a mind melt when it comes to thirteen-year-old senses of humor. So it'll it'll find itself. It'll find yes. itself. Well, often called the most haunted house in all of England. Borley Rectory was a large, hideous, red-brick domicile about 60 miles northeast of London that was home to dozens, if not hundreds, of ghost sightings dating back to the mid-19th century. Mm. You say hideous... I say, if you're a, if you're a bucket woman, yeah. or if you're one of those scone orphans that was all full, of, England was just chock full of in the 19th century, they would have loved being anywhere inside of the Borley Rector. Perhaps. It also seems like a kind of place where it's like, what's on the cafeteria menu today, cafeteria person? Mm, soup! <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, again? I love that. Thank you. You're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life and I should know because I'm blind. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy you think I'm attractive because today today I put pubes in the soup. No, I thought it was saffron. <laughs> now to address you skeptics right up top, we will grant that a certain amount of the phenomena observed and recorded over the years at Borley Rectory has proved to be bogus. Admittedly, some of the more famous poltergeist incidents were either faked or exaggerated by certain investigators while Ooh, other pointed. In- Very pointed. Mm-hmm. While other incidents were the product of the potentially disturbed mind of one denizen in particular. Hmm. See, when it really comes down to brass tacks, the investigation of Borley Rectory fell into the most common of all paranormal investigative traps. Okay. Virginity. <laughs> it always gets in the way of the intrepid paranormal investigator. Hmm. Okay. What happened here is that investigators juiced the story to paint a fuller picture because they needed to be right. Hmm. See, what a lot of paranormal investigators want more than anything is to break the definitive case that proves once and for all that the paranormal is real. Because mm-hmm. that's pure gold, baby. Yeah. It's pure gold. It's going to all you're going to. You got the Tonight Show. <laughs> you got the James Corden Show. You can sit in there eating hamburgers with... T.J. Malone? I don't even know the name of the new singers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, these guys want the story that'll earn their place in the history books as the person who changed the way everyone thinks about everything. Of course. But in doing this, they forget that it's supposed to be a team effort, Mm. that everyone is supposed to contribute their part to a cumulative body of work, and that their attempts to juice the story only gives the skeptics good reason to discount the entire event. You know, Marcus, <laughs> really? I'm going to have to do some pushback, okay? Because there's been a lot of bad things said about flim-flam men. I'm going to say mostly flim-flam men mm-hmm. in the past. Because people want to, I want definitive proof, right? I want the numbers. I want graphs. People want cage with a ghost in it. They want it. They <laughs> want evidence. Style. Yeah. They want to see the thing. But they're searching for fucking farts in the wind, my friend. Flim flam men make these stories real. They are an essential part mm-hmm. of the paranormal world. And I will submit that it is a nerd's duty. If they want these fucking factoids nailed down, their jobs are to properly 
designate and assign and direct the powers of the Flim Flam Man. you got to keep your Flim Flam Man on a leash. You do. All right, but also let's not forget the great Flim Flam women, the Fox sisters. That's true. They're fantastic. And Rosie O'Donnell, who told us she was nice for 15 years. And now she's that was the That was the greatest trick the Dove ever pulled. Absolutely. And, you, you, and she had those koosh balls. I remember. All covered in her fucking pussy juice. I don't know. That, I don't think that happened. That's how we'd stick to the audience. Is that right? <laughs> this but, is important. So we're going to, there's one specific flim flam man in this whole story that we're I'm basically referring to is Harry Price who uh, to me is one of the bravest J.K. Simmons lookalikes that has ever existed <laughs> he's got a big old pipe he's got a big old hat and he lied really hard to me Borley Rectory something famous <laughs> oh wrecked him and you're killed you gotta wait you gotta wait <laughs> it just came to me well that's the thing about Borley Rectory in particular even without the dubious incidents there are still Still, well over a hundred ghostly encounters witnessed at Borley Rectory over the last 150 odd years. Mm. He didn't need to juice it. He didn't need to make shit up. You gotta have a guy because the problem with the Flim Flam men mm-hmm. and the nerds is that nerds are not able to control Flim Flam men. You right. gotta have a guy in the middle. Yeah, absolutely. We need a Paul Modib of the paranormal world, a true leader. The Modib, the desert mouse, the one who makes his own water. He's talking about Dune again. Oh, this is Dune, because I was like, who the, who the hell is Paul Modib? The first male Bene Gesserit. That is the only way that you could possibly combine the power of the nerd, which is knowing how fucking protractors work, and the power of the flimflam man, which is understanding you got to put a little wink, you got to put a little sparkle, you got to put a glove on that hand because your knuckles, my friend, are kind of ugly. <laughs> oh my goodness. Technically, Ben, you're that guy. I'm the nerd, Henry's the flimflam man, and you're the Modib. I, I've i always uh, said I'm Modib. <laughs> I've always said that. I'm mad. I love Dune, I love water. <laughs> <laughs> You're fucking stupid. You're stupid. That's what I I'll don't say. know. Well, genuine paranormal activity did take place at Borley Rectory. And ever since the rectory burnt down in the 30s, the activity was so strong that it just moved across the road to the nearby church. Damn. The just- only way I could properly describe Borley Rectory, as we go through the family that originally lived there, it's Haunted Mansion. Yeah. So mm. much shit was happening inside of this rectory. That it, it was just, you had to sit. They were watching ghosts like they were watching TV. And back wow. then, they didn't even have TV. So that's probably how TV got invented. Like some scientist watching a bunch of ghosts. And he said, what if I put that in a little box? Sometimes put a woman in a bikini in there like a fucking pull it at it. Okay. Did, did you just call Ben stupid? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's technically, that means you won the argument when the person's like, you're stupid. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go wear my shoes as a hat. No, you always... Dog meat, don't you understand? You always accuse other people of the crimes you're guilty of. <laughs> Have you learned nothing after these three years? Well, really, it's the residual hauntings at Borley Rectory that make the most compelling tales, because most of the poltergeist material did, in fact, come when the occupants were less than reliable. Mm. But before we get into this story completely, it might be important once again to remind everyone of the difference between residual hauntings and intelligent hauntings, because Borley Rectory is one of those rare cases where both are present. Residual hauntings are what you might call echoes of the past, mindless representations of people or events that have left some sort of impression on the physical world. 
A good example of this would be the Green Lady of Dublin. The story goes that in the late 1700s, a man named Simon Luttrell, who happened to be the sheriff of Dublin, had an affair with a Fishamble Street madam named Darkie Kelly. She's like, you gotta fill my gut with it twice, because <laughs> me gut is as deep as a will. <laughs> and Simon Luttrell's like, let's see where, how far I'm seat. Get scrape up against your lungs, uh, you Fishamble Street madam. <laughs> Never misses a chance to do what one of his great character voices. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kelly soon became swollen with child. But Ugh. when the sheriff refused to acknowledge the child or give financial support, mm. Darkie Kelly threatened to expose the affair. So, in the style of the time, the sheriff accused Darkie of being a witch! No! And before long, Darkie Kelly found herself partially hanged and burned at the stake. While, according to the legend, the baby was murdered as a part of an elaborate satanic ritual at the legendary Hellfire Club. Damn. Man, that's a cool-ass story that one day we'll do an entire episode on. Mm -hmm. But the Hellfire Club, unfortunately, is another one of those myth-busting episodes where you just find out it's a bunch of... Bunch of Kind of fun guy sucking dick in a hotel in the right, middle of right. Dublin. What if we call it like, um, like the guy, like, uh, like uh, cheek boys or like, uh, like cockthroats or uh, what about like maybe hellfire? That makes that. That's that cool. sounds good. That sounds good because my whole thing was just going to be saying like bunch of guys eating cum, but I guess we can make it a bunch of guys eating cum. So it's a uh, begek. We can be the begek boys. <laughs> Well, ever since the execution, a glowing green darky Kelly can be seen just through the ancient city gate, walking down the long, wide steps outside of St. Alduin's Church, trying to find the old underground tunnel that would lead her back to Fishamble Street. Cool. Marcus, do you remember when we were there? Yeah. That's it. <laughs> it's yes. weird now. A bunch of kids like painted a bunch of dragons on the steps, so it's not quite as spooky, uh, but it's cool. It's got to be sad that she has to go back. She, even as a ghost, she was going back to being a fish amble street madam. Yeah. She didn't, as a ghost, go to like beautician school. <laughs> well, maybe she enjoyed being a fish amble street madam. Yeah, it's possible. And just imagine being one of her favorite Johns and all of a sudden you're like, what is that feeling where my cock... Oh! It's the freebie she promised. The freebie. I got the number 10 in my punch card. <laughs> well, residual hauntings aren't just visual. Residuals can play with all of the senses, from touch to sound to smell. One might hear the laughter of a child when no children are present, smell the perfume of a woman long dead, or feel the brush of a body when no one is near. If only, if only it was that simple. Like, they'll never come for me because I'm the Joker. <laughs> See how I dance. I'm the Joker. I didn't get my pills. The Joaquin Master, the Joaquin Master class that is movie, the movie Joker has really. You've you've really changed as a performer. I'm a waist size 21, and I have makeup on. Isn't it frightening? I never touch a breast. <laughs> <laughs> See, in theory, residual hauntings are bits of some sort of unknown, focused energy without consciousness that somehow reappear from time to time for no scientific reason that we can yet discern. 
There's some people that say it could be your brain's reaction to mm-hmm. electromagnetism, because they say a lot of times in paranormal hotspots, there are fluctuations in electromagnetic activity, whatever the hell that means. They also say it's possibly your brain dealing with low-frequency sounds, mm. that your brain can accidentally infer low-frequency sounds as visual and auditory hallucinations. That's okay. possible. Or it's some kind of wiggity version of Bell's theorem. If you want to go ahead and read yourself, I don't know if you've done your morning ritual of eating an edible and reading a couple of Robert Anton Wilson essays, but if you want <laughs> to just stop the podcast and do that, then maybe you can understand that whatever once was there was will always be there and anything that touches anything physically will forever have an impression of that physical touch interesting all right very cool well on the other side of the ghost spectrum you've got intelligent hauntings aka poltergeists these hauntings are perceived to have at least a tiny bit of cognitive ability behind them although some think including me that if the phenomena called intelligent hauntings does indeed exist the source is probably some hitherto undiscovered power of the human mind. Ooh. It's period witchery. Possibly. Is, oh, okay. It comes from the periods. It doesn't always come from the periods. <laughs> it comes from the... you shouting at a poor worker at a toll stop? <laughs> you get that Menar shout right now, little girl. I'm sick of being scared. That's what I'd do if I was investigating poltergeists. Really? You skirt out the egg. You be a chicken, little girl. You get the egg out because it's breakfast time, and I'm sick of plates getting broken because I'm already got back from Ikea two times. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, there's been plenty of poltergeist activity where women were not present. Or at the very least where uh, the person who seemed to be the source of the poltergeist activity uh, was male. Okay. So or, it's not specifically just, period magic. Or just <laughs> a woman shouting after they see the ghost. This is disgusting. But Or just a woman shouting and saying, I'm dry. <laughs> <laughs> so you you are sexist, Henry Zabrowski, because I am dry. <laughs> that is so gross. I apologize. <laughs> well, that's why I really I do feel like it's inappropriate for a paranormal investigator because they do have to ask. I just recently rewatched Ghostbusters and I forgot about the scene where Bill Murray with the librarian. The first thing is he asks her, "Are you menstruating?" <laughs> <laughs> Who does? But no matter what they are, both residual and intelligent hauntings make frequent appearances in the history of Borley Rectory. Although the most compelling and most fun of which is without a doubt. The Phantom Nun. Ooh. Now, nobody knows the true origins of the Phantom Nun of Borley Rectory, but we do know that while this structure is not necessarily old by European standards, even the origins of the actual building site are shrouded in mystery. See, this rectory was built on top of another rectory that had burned down, which was itself built on top of another structure, which was also built on top of what is possibly the original structure, but there could be another structure underneath that. Which one is the Dunkin' Donuts? (laughs) (laughs) Mm. This isn't New Jersey, (laughs) Gizzle. This is old Jersey. Oh. But I was actually thinking about that, you know, when I was thinking about one structure being built on top of another, built on top of another, like, because, you know, America is so young, like, one day there will be a haunting uh, that comes from, I don't know, a murder in a fucking old circuit city that was there 200, 300 years ago. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, the ghosts of my rage of me working in borders all these years. (laughs) 
must still exist of whatever now exists inside of those stores. Absolutely. Just me going, I don't want to stock magazines. I don't want to be in the floor selling bunks. And they just see a fat man in a polo, like, just kind of meandering through, like, as a spectral form. It's not a residual haunting. It's not an intelligent haunting. It's a Polish haunting? This is bizarre. Well, it is in common practices, especially in uh, the Druid culture, they commonly would burn down your like they they would take your grandparents' house and they'd level it like and all of the family would live on one spot and they would build the next house on top of that house and then they would level it when everybody that was a part of that family died bury them all on top of each other and then erect another house on top of that so they're very used to it. and then what we learned from Edinburgh is that it was an entire city that was fucking five miles underground it was like five floors underneath the city so that's why the uk seems to be filled with so many more ghosts because they're doing tri-level cemeteries yeah okay one thing built on top of another built on top of another it's a small country there's not a lot of room there absolutely but the thing is so many buildings have existed in this spot over the last few hundred years that it's difficult to definitively say exactly what's been there and it's absolutely impossible to know what all has transpired in this location now, one thing we might want to do here right now is to let our fellow Americans know exactly what a rectory is. Mm. A rectory is where a rector lives. Now, what the hell is a rector? <laughs> a rector uh, is a scenario uh, where, let's say, you hit a woman with a car or you accidentally knock a woman down an elevator shaft or off the top of a building, but she lives. <laughs> mm. And then why? Then what might you tell the cops if they show up? And well, unfortunately, I I wrecked her. <laughs> I damn near killed her. <laughs> a rector is a priest or a, oh. or, or a minister in oh. this case. Yeah. And in the case oh. of Borley, it was the home of a local reverend. Oh, so the the name of the man was Borley. No, well, the name of the area, the name of the town was Borley. Okay, yeah, so yeah. shouldn't it be Borley's rector? No, no, Borley. Borley's Rectory. <laughs> no, oh Borley oh Rectory. Like you would say, like, I don't know, uh, New York Church. Ah. Uh, you know? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I know, I know. You're not going to tell me three times. But long before a rector came calling, legend has it that the site may have been home to a monastery. And the legend of that monastery inspired multiple tales of woe, betrayal, and of course... Murder. 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 But most of the stories involving this legendary monastery involved the familiar trope of a nun from a nearby convent falling in love with a monastery monk, mm. and the nun and the monk eloping with tragic consequences. In one version, they escape with the aid of another monk, but once they got away, the two lovers fought in the woods, and the monk strangled the nun to death, which earned both the monk and his buddy... A beheading. Like, I'm just being a fucking wingman here, bro. I'm just trying to get my buddy's fucking dick slick, and I'm getting murdered here, dude. You're not supposed to be killing this nun. I thought you guys had a love for the ages. <laughs> after all they went through, they found out they didn't like each other. Yeah, they just he strangled her after a, a quarrel. That doesn't ever say what the quarrel is, but they just but, said that they quarreled in the woods, and he strangled her to death. Oh my goodness! Think about how how it, how it's insane that would be. You know what I mean? You're just you finally ran away. You've got the middle of your head. Shaved with that weird kind of like fire tuck haircut. 
you've never even seen your girlfriend's body yet, and you're so excited that maybe we're going to make this happen, right? And you guys are trudging through the forest, and then she has the audacity to say that she doesn't like Rush. Uh, <laughs> we're in the mi- we just we are just getting to know each other. Tom Sawyer, you don't like Tom Sawyer? Is that what you're telling? I'm just not big into Prague. I think it's like nerd rock. That's like old. It's corny. (laughs) Can you see how red the top of my head's getting? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Another more tragic version of the tale, all three of them were caught by the monks of the monastery, while the two men were quickly beheaded for abandoning their oaths. The nun was buried alive. Oh my, like literally, what do they say? Be like, are you guys trying to have straight heterosexual sex? (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) We only have sex with children here, as you know. (laughs) But the most terrifying story of them all says that the lovers were caught and the monk was hanged while the nun herself was bricked up in the monastery walls and died screaming for mercy as the monks silently listened. Damn. Okay, which one, obviously, I think I th- the answer is to be hanged or beheaded, as opposed to buried alive or or uh, bricked inside. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. 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 No, here's a fun question to ask your significant other. I asked Carolina this earlier today. Okay. Would you rather I strangled you to death, mm-hmm. or would you mm-hmm. rather watch me get beheaded and then you get buried alive? This is great. Wow, that is tough. Yeah. She chose I would strangle her to death. In a really? Range. Yeah. That's an offshoot of what you guys are already doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very interesting. Now, as far as we know, there's never been a monastery on the site of Borley Rectory, nor has there ever been a monastery in the area, nor has there ever been a nunnery nearby. Hmm. The only definitive link between the nuns and Borley was that while no monasteries or nunneries existed there, the land was once owned by the Barking Monastery. The Barking Monastery. <laughs> the Barking Monastery. Yeah. Okay. Soon to be the plot of Airbud 6. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? What's that Airbud? There's a pedophile ring inside the monastery. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be incredible. The Airbud monk is he tells on he sees the Airbud monk, the uh. little dog monk. He's been invited to be a part of the monastery because he was left at the the steps of the church and sure. he, whenever Jesus Christ would show to him, he'd go rawr, 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 rawr. And they're like, hopefully he's not yelling at it. Hopefully this means he likes it. And then Airbud walks into the head of the monastery looking for some bones, right? <laughs> and he sees the head rector giving it to the bellboy. And now we've got ourselves a mystery. Dog got to go to the reporters. Yeah, he's going to have to go to a dog reporter that understands what he's saying. But yeah, yeah, I understand. I think that's great. But then... Airbud gets ex pupumaticated. <laughs> oh, ex-pupumaticated. No. Oh, ex-pupumaticated. Oh, poor Airbud. He didn't deserve that. Live from your grave. Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. 
It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. And I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses Filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay, because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year. And that's why I'm going to go full tilt and not only are you going to get the judge reinhold sitting on the clydesdale entire series clothes and non-clothed what we also are going to offer and i mean this we're trying to get into giraffe rides i brought this up the other day we got to start riding other animals but horses take pictures of the horses photoshop the horses into other celebrities but stop riding them save a horse ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says right here, what would you do of another extra hour of your day? I mean, well, obviously I'd get some nunchuck training in. Oh, I'd make love to my wife. That takes about nine. That's a full nine minutes of that hour. And then I would probably uh, go to get a donut. And then I'd probably yell at my parents. But a lot of us wish we had more time. The question is time for what? I don't know. What works for you? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. And therapy can help you find out what matters to you so you could do more of it. You know that question? They're like, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do? You know, and like, you know, when I answer it's of course, I would grind the government to a standstill with my giant machine of my making in secret for many years. But a lot of people get mad at that. And it's really hard to do that in a job interview or like when you're meeting somebody's like your significant other's parents for the first time. So, and we might actually want to think of starting therapy. So give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash last pod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-A-S-T-P-O-D. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. And if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Now, I love Babbel, and I love what they're doing for the people of America. But I went on there to find out if I could learn Fremen in order for me to go and harness the desert power that it would take to finally get the raids of the sand planet Arrakis. Uh, but they said they only offer real languages and uh, stuff that can really help people travel. I think that's mostly what Babbel's looking to do. They didn't really, like, I called customer service and I asked me, like, well, how can I possibly harness the power of a million Fremen? 
And they said, please, sir, stop calling. And I said, but I, I'm doing an ad for you currently while we're on the phone. And Babel, you know what? God love them. They helped me learn German. And in the end, they, they were right. Because German's a lot more useful. Here's a special limited time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Live from your grave. Well, one origin story of the Phantom Nun actually needs no nunnery at all. In fact, it is the precise absence of a nunnery that gives this story its tragic thrust. Hundreds of years ago, it's said that a young nun named Marie Laire was drawn away from her convent in France by a man with the last name of Waldegrave. Waldegrave had told the young nun that if only she came to live with him in Borley, he would make her his wife. But by the time the nun arrived in Borley, anticipating the forsaking of her vows, Waldegrave had found a much more profitable marriage to pursue. Now, the nun was heartbroken, but she also had nowhere else to go because she'd already resigned from her post. So Mm. she refused to leave Borley and tried forcing Waldegrave into keeping his promise. Instead, Waldegrave strangled the lovesick young nun and threw the body in the well across the road from Borley Church. And it was on that very same spot that Borley Rectory was built years afterward. As a result of the betrayal, the nun wanders the grounds to this day, seeking the Christian burial which she was so cruelly denied. What the hell is... They're, all, they're, they're strangling all the nuns? <laughs> what is going on here? I mean, nuns nuns were expendable at the time, which is unfortunate. I mean, they still are, but especially at the time. No, not, I mean, you can't be strangling all the nuns. There's still people. There's still very strong. I know, I mean, Just I because know. you people have, just because the two of you have a thing against Christianity doesn't I know, mean that I nuns know. aren't people. I, no, I didn't say that. No, technically, Henry's nothing. the closest one. He wants to be a priest. No. And also, <laughs> I went to Catholic school. I, you couldn't even get your hands around the throats of those nuns. <laughs> yeah, they, they got huge. big That's elephant necks. They're huge. <laughs> They were built to, to survive attacks. I, oh, this maybe. is what happens, is that the weaker nuns get kind of taken out of the herd. Oh. They're slowly, and so it breeds bigger, stronger nuns. That's my <laughs> sister, Susan. Literally, her name was Sister Bundy, and she <laughs> was bundified. Yeah. She was big. Bundy, no fundy. No, she was no fundy. But this is a lot, a lot of these stories, so as we'll go, a lot of these stories were essentially not put together by investigators. They've been kind of rumors that have been around Borley Rectory forever. Legends. But the Phantom Nun itself, there's a lot of people even talking about whether or not it even really is a nun. They see a shrouded woman. They don't know if it's a nun. And there's a lot of times, Harry Price, the investigator that would end up making Borley Rectory super famous, he was obsessed with creating a very specific origin story for the the hauntings happening at the rectory. But it might just be, this is just shit that's been there literally forever. Mm-hmm. But there's yet one more tale that has nothing to do with a nun at all, okay. which might speak towards the shrouded figure theory. It has also been said that shortly after the rectory was built, a young girl was seen clinging to the windowsill of what came to be known as the Blue Room. The unknown girl screamed and screamed 
until finally she fell to her death, and it's possible that it is her spirit which roams the grounds. However, one thing about that, the Blue Room doesn't have a windowsill. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. <laughs> the room is brown. You show me a windowsill in this brown room. It's called the Blue Room with a windowsill. Well, no matter what happened, by the time the Reverend Henry Bull had the rectory in question built in 1862, the first sighting of a ghostly nun had already been reported on the grounds 20 years previous in 1843. Hmm. And it would be the Bull family who would propagate the story of the Phantom Nun for decades to come. Now, one of the things pointed out by skeptics and brushed under the rug by believers about the Reverend Henry Bull is that he died of tertiary syphilis about 30 years after building the rectory. What is tertiary? Tertiary means the very end of it. Like, it's just you die of, uh, like, you just die of syphilis, essentially. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Tertiary meaning outside. You can see it. Like a a beef tip. (laughs) You become a bunch of crazy sour meat. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. It's a horrible, horrible death. Not a good way to go, huh? Yeah. But some of the skeptics say, like, he was just hallucinating the whole time. And and those hallucinations uh, carried over into his family. Hmm. But... And also the uh, you know the believers like they do not mention it really at all. They don't like to talk about how Henry Bull died. They just say he died. Well, that's doctor. Uh, that's uh, doctor patient privilege. Yeah. Should should we even be talking about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're already yeah we're portraying the the legacy of Henry Bull. Yeah. When we really should just be saying Henry Bull liked to fuck. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and it's really he died of a fuck like malady yeah could be i mean it's amazing he was able to find all those ghosts even even with sufferings from syphilis well i think that both sides are wrong in uh pointing it out or in sweeping it under the rug i mean i really don't think it has anything to do with anything i mean while the hallucinations might have been a part of henry's later years the hauntings experienced by the bull family occurred before the syphilis really kicked in and they continued after henry's disgusting deaths hmm See, as far as the Phantom Nun goes, she's most often seen walking outside in the garden. In fact, she was seen so often that the path where the sightings tend to happen is still called the Nun's Walk. Now, we don't know exactly when the sightings of the Nun began for the Bull family, but we do know that they came so often that the Reverend bricked up the dining room window in 1875 Mm. specifically because the Nun was seen so frequently. I can't be looking at this nun anymore. <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like he'd been seeing the nun, and after a while, it just looks like a nun walking. He's like, oh, that looks like a fine young lad. <laughs> and then she'd look and smile and wink. He's like, oh, flirting. Oh, that's wonderful. I should strangle her. <laughs> and then he starts to realize it's a ghost, but eventually the nun gets sexier and sexier, and it starts becoming like, do you remember the fantasy that, uh, Chess, Ch- that Chevy, Chevy Chase, Chase has, yeah, of course, yeah, and and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, of course. When she starts taking that, it's a juicy scene. It is nuns out there just going like, and he just starts screaming, "I will break up this window! How dare you! How dare you flirt with me in front of my beautiful wife who's shaped like a spiral?" Yeah, I mean, really, that's ridiculous. Dinner is for flirting. Uh, you know, you can't be flirting at breakfast. It's, no, it's way too early for that. Now, all of this seems to imply that Henry Bull was losing his mind from syphilis. I think the explanation here is far more domestic. 
I think Henry Bull bricked up the window to keep the sightings of the nun from distracting the kids at dinner time. Makes sense. This is this is really true. I, I can't really can't stress this enough. The ghost sightings that happen immediately at Borley Rectory were off the fucking chain. They were happening all the time. They talked about this shit as if they were roommates. The um, the different phantoms they would see, specifically the phantom nun. And so while they would go and watch, it became such a part of the family that it literally be like, there's the nun again. As they were walking <laughs> through, like, it was this shadow that just lived with them. But I think it's important to see that they weren't threatened by it. No, And right. they didn't feel scared. It was just this kind of fact about their entire house. Nuns just hanging out. Well, the reason why I say that they weren't afraid of it, and why this, and why you know this problem was more domestic than anything, is because Henry Bull also built a summer house that had a place in it specifically for watching the Phantom Nun early in the morning as an almost meditative commune with the spirit world. Oh. And it wasn't just the Bull family who saw the nun during this time either. A friend of Henry Bull's named P. Shaw Jeffrey mm-hmm. also said he saw the nun several times. But concerning P. Shaw, his most important contribution to the story is actually of the intelligent haunting variety. Oh. And this is one of the very, very few intelligent hauntings that happened during this time period. P. Shaw said that during one of his visits, his French-to-English dictionary disappeared, and despite searching high and low, nobody could find it. Hmm. But a few nights later, P. Shaw said he was awoken in the middle of the night by a sudden loud thump on the floor. He lit a candle and looked down, and there on the floor was the missing dictionary. And the dictionary had seemingly appeared from thin air, because the room where Jeffrey was sleeping was, in fact, locked. And indeed, he looked up and he saw Gerard Depardieu. (laughs) And Gerard Depardieu said, yes, one day I will be a famous actor, not just in France, but in America, too. What is it with the two of you and Gerard Depardieu? He's funny, because (laughs) remember when he went skiing behind the motorboat? He, what I love about him, he's got big nose. Yeah. Remember he peed on that flight? Yeah, <laughs> of course I remember he peed. You two mentioned Gerard Depardieu like once a month. He's a hammered, yeah. weird-looking Frenchman. <laughs> but he was a sex symbol. But he was like, a sex he's symbol. Got, he's got big, swollen, bad lips, tiny French eyes, that weird, thin Frenchman hair. You must have smelled like a goddamn cheese goat. Yep. <laughs> but he was eating bush and fingering bee for decades. I don't know. I, we can't explain. <laughs> but women love Gerard Depardieu. They love him. I guess. <laughs> well, concerning the reason why the ghost may have taken the French dictionary, could it be that the murdered French nun of yesteryear was attempting to learn English in order to communicate? <gasps> it's like the movie Green Card. <laughs> <laughs> With Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> With Ger- maybe. Maybe she was. We'll see. In episode two. Okay. Oh, damn it! That's damn it! Great. Um, I've been having uh, gremlin problems in my house. Really? Because now I've been dealing with time and time again. Because, you know, uh, we've said it again, I'm ghost repellent. I've never seen anything paranormal. I'm not close to anything paranormal. But I now have several people. Between Amber, I mean, I'm as reliable as they are. <laughs> Amber Nelson, Jackie Zabrowski, several other people have come to my home and have sp- immediately said... That the house is haunted, that our apartment is haunted. And I've had other neighbors tell us that our entire apartment complex is haunted. Do you think it's the John Wayne Gacy painting or all of the other creepy, ooky, spooky things that you have in your house, like the Bigfoot thing? It's interesting because 
It's true, right? I have a haunted chair. Like, I have a chair that I bought from a antique store that they said they couldn't sell because people kept bringing it back. It was this thing that was this chair that they have that they said that had bad juju, and I bought it because it was cheap. Uh-huh. And then I have a real-life pull of a cheese goblin from Mandy from the actual original pull that sits in that chair all day. Okay. But, all right, my remote controls keep going missing. My belt went missing. That was on my pants. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It went missing. <laughs> right. right. And there's right. a lot of people that say Henry smoked a lot of weed. No, but right? also not just the weed. I was actually going to talk about the cups of whiskey you drink at night, and you call it you call it your at-home drink. So then you yeah. can say, oh, I had one drink, but you're filling up 32-ounce old McDonald plastic cup. Yeah, it's Full four of senator fingers of scotch <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. in my home. Yes, but it's in my home, so it's not alcoholism. No, no, no. Home. Technically, that is actually opposite. Uh, yeah, that is totally the opposite. You're yeah. supposed to drink in public. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I drink at home, alone, normal, <laughs> relaxing. Uh-huh. And so, but, I, but Natalie's not like that. Natalie's not an alcoholic or a stoner, so she also noticing things have been going missing all the time. And so I have a gremlin in my house. Jackie says that there's a ghost living in our little upstairs balcony, which I've never seen. People say they feel like they're being watched in my apartment. I don't think it's the cameras I put in there because they can't see those cameras. Uh-huh. And the, the rest of it is the, like, but then Eddie then did blame it that I put a demon in a haunted chair. But what I did was is that I put a joint out and a bunch of coins in front of the Cheddar Goblin, and I found the remote controls. <laughs> <laughs> but my belt's well, gone. there you go. All right. My ah. fucking belt is gone. Uh, encounters with the paranormal seemed to be a bit of a family tradition when it came to the bulls. In 1970, a diary was discovered in a junk shop in nearby Sudbury, written by Carolyn Bull, known as Dodie to the family. Now, this diary, written when Dodie was 21, covers a 10-month period between 1884 and 1885 and details the social engagements and events that made up the lives of the Bull sisters. Mm. But one entry in particular, written as almost a casual afterthought, suggests that at least one of the Bull sisters was practiced in the paranormal. Mm. It read, quote, October 8th, it rained. I tried chair moving in the evening. I made a chair walk all over the room and answer questions, some of which were quite right. I asked it the age of a friend of Mary and it said 25, which was quite right. It is great fun and I seem to have a great deal of electricity in me as I can make it walk quite fast. Father came home by the 610 train from Bury. Ma'am, did you have sex with this chair? <laughs> it made me horny, officer. Now my question for you is, do I make you horny? Really, ma'am? You're going to be do quoting a movie that doesn't... You're really going to quote a movie that doesn't come out for another 300 years. Is that it? Rector! <laughs> ma'am, you've turned into a longshoreman. <laughs> well, some of the other girls in the Bull family personally reported strange goings on as well. Ethel Bull said that she would wake up in the middle of the night to see an old man wearing dark, old-fashioned clothes and a tall hat silently standing next to her bed. And just when I went to unfurl his penis from his zipper, nothing was there. (laughs) (laughs) Ah! Why 
Why can't my penis come with me to the afterlife? <laughs> we told you you have to leave one body part behind and you said <laughs> penis because you didn't want to lose a foot. Take my foot! You want Take your foot now? Foot. Well, I'm sorry, you don't have it. You can't get it? You, you do have it and you can't get your penis back. This is a damn, this is a cock rectory. <laughs> and the Bull family's employees experienced paranormal activity as well, although they did not share the cavalier attitude that the Bulls seemed to have towards their ghostly companions. In 1886, a nursemaid reported that she had been in the Bull household for about two weeks when she was suddenly awakened in the middle of the night by the sounds of heavy, slippered footsteps. The footsteps got louder and louder, but once the steps seemed to be right outside her door, they stopped. No one entered, but no one walked away either. The nursemaid left two weeks later because the place was so, in her words, weird. Sounds yeah. like the final days of a Playboy model at, uh, at the Playboy Mansion. Just like they're like, they just hear Hugh Hefner's weird sliding feet. Hugh, is that you? Where's he going? Where's he going? Oh, yeah, the whole house is covered in carpet. I can't hear anything. I, I was listening to more foot, uh, I was listening to more footage of, uh, paranormal, like, ghost hunters in Borley Rectory or the area of Borley Rectory because now they just go fucking camp. Yeah. They have that and they Crazy. have the church across the street. So they'll go. And that shit, it, it's real noisy. Again, mm -hmm. they're old. These are obviously old structures, so they do tend to make noises. But the stuff they're hearing is kind of crazy. It's it is the kind of stuff you read about for years and years and years. It's the thumps and the moans mm -hmm. and the, do like, phantom door closing is big at Borley Rectory where you hear, like, a, like it's a fucking Halloween sound effects album cool. that's happening, but you're not hearing it presently. It just shows up on recordings. So now they got a lot of folks out there at the rectory hanging out, really doing investigations. Do you think that means? Do you think that makes it more haunted or less haunted? You know, do you think that because there's so many folks out there really focusing all their energy on you know wanting to see a ghost? Do you think that triggers it, or do you think these ghosts are like? Come on, guys. You know, we've been doing this all. We've been doing this for 300 years. Give us a break. Well, it's the observation effect. You know, some yeah. people say yeah. that but simply by observing something, you change the nature of it. So yeah. I completely believe that. And I don't think ghosts are here for us. I don't think if whatever ghosts are, I think especially residual hauntings, this is some this is one of those uh, science questions that will one day be answered. Yeah. That we don't know what the hell this is. I think there is some form of natural explanation of what it is. But for some reason, the scope of our attention seems to destroy it. They can't get definitive proof of it because every single time they do, they come back with nothing or stuff that's very something like low stakes but what they all say when i fully believe is that the paranormal is a personal experience yeah paranormal is between you your it is something about the mix of your consciousness with either the collective unconscious mixed with uh actual natural things that are going on or intelligences that are interdimensional yeah. you know I'm just saying shit. No, absolutely. I'm sober. Well, like, I, I'm not, I know. I'm not ready know. yet. I'm, Although, I'm, Henry, but, check your waistline. You've lost your belt. <laughs> uh, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm covered in ectoplasm. Live <laughs> from your grave. Shopping for humans is hard. But shopping for your dog is easy. Thanks to Bark. Because dog can't give you its opinion. 
And every month we deliver dogs and treats just for your pup because they deserve to be spoiled. And then the dog shows you what they like. It's incredible. Only I could teach Wendy to use an iPad. She's so resistant. She scratches it up, barks at it, barks at me. But if she could use it, she'd order BarkBox for herself. At Bark, we send your dog a whole new collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. And for a limited time, we'll double your first box for free. How about that? Wendy loves her little toys. Carmi has become quite a terrorist when it comes to her toys. And she's a murderer. She rips these things up. But, you know, we got some high-quality, tough toys from BarkBox, and she absolutely loves them. And our family could not be happier. <laughs> and if you just want a slice of this joy, you got to go to BarkBox. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash left. That's right. You can sign up now at BarkBox.com slash L-E-F-T for this exclusive offer. This ad is now over. Let's go back to petting our dogs. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate, is key. Yeah. Very key. You got to communicate clearly. All these emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. It's like you're Captain Kirk and Grammarly is Data. And you're kissing a lady on another planet. And Data is just trying to make sure you write better. Better writing means a stronger impact. And Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. And by understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. It did begin to understand when I was yelling and when I was doing bits versus me. Because I do use Grammarly, and it's nice. But I will also say Grammarly does will do the thing where it's like, um, I think maybe you missed a little comma, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, I know. Thank you, Grammarly. Like, thank I get it. Yes. But still, like, maybe we could just think about what I'm going through today, right? But Grammarly really does help. Because that's what we all need. A stern teacher with glasses and uh, little buckled shoes. That's Grammarly to me. That's what I see. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Do you want to set your child up for success? Yeah. So they can do some work finally for once, right? You're sitting around. They're just playing with their blocks, with their iPads, not bringing any money into the house. What a sham. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework and you find yourself too dumb to help yourself? It's easy with IXL Learning. It's an online learning program. It's for kids. You'll end up learning stuff yourself because adults don't know anything anymore. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. Honestly, I feel like a lot of children could benefit from IXL learning. I think a lot of adults could benefit from IXL learning because learning gets pumped right in your home. They don't have to go to an elementary school like Adam Sandler did and Billy Madison because that is not yet accepted by society. All right. So you make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And last podcast on the left, listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash left. Visit IXL.com slash L-E-F-T to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. 
Rise from your grave. Now, the Reverend Henry Bull died in 1892 in what would come to be known as the Blue Room. But remember, Henry died of syphilis, mm. which suggests that the Reverend Bull was a bit of a horny little devil. Oh, horny yeah. little toad. Wow. <laughs> <All right. laughs> and there are rumors that seem to support this. It's thought that Henry Bull also impregnated a maid named Katie Borum who worked in the rectory kitchen. Mm. And the girl died soon after. Oh, he's a real governator. You reference Arnold Schwarzenegger way too much. That's the thing. That's what I was thinking earlier, is that it's only going to be a matter of, there's Gerard Depardieu and Arnold Schwarzenegger having sex with the maid. The, I don't know what it is. I just think <laughs> it's such a wonderful story for that maid. Yeah. I think it's just such an incredible dream that came true for her, and I wish that something equivalent could have happened to me back in the day when I was young and impressionable. Uh-huh. I think you mentioned it twice in the Mormonism series alone. Weird. I don't know why. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's okay. It's okay. Well, one story goes that Katie went into labor in the rectory kitchen on Easter Sunday, 1888, and she died there along with the child. Oh, my goodness. That is that is sad for Easter Sunday. Yeah, for the for one of the cooks to die after your husband has impregnated her? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. And you don't get all... that ham. Not only is the affair revealed... But there goes all the the tapestries, there goes the lamb, there goes the stew. Oh, man, we're almost in ham season again, where I can finally buy a whole ham at the the grocery store. You know, we don't live in North Korea, right? Like, (laughs) you can buy a full ham, like, any day. Yeah, but it's at my local grocery store. There's something about going to the local grocery store and getting the whole ham and carrying it home and all that. You just want to walk like you're the violator from Spawn. (laughs) This is his Bob Cratchit moment, where he takes a big silver coin and and he goes with he can gets a little local cripple boy to sit on his shoulder and he, he sing a song about Christmas and he gets a big ham. He comes, he takes it home, no bag, just free handed ham down the street. Good night. I'll take the ham, but can you take the plastic off of it before I carry it with my bare hands down the street? <laughs> well, we do actually know that a Katie Borum was buried in Sudbury in 1888, but others think without evidence, that Henry Bull, to keep the whole affair a secret, committed murder. Murder. Either giving in to the darkness at Borley Rectory or adding to the misery and pain already present. Mm. But at any rate, when Henry Bull's syphilitic brain finally up and died, his son Harry took over as rector for Borley. And many of Harry's sisters continued living there with both him and their mother. Yeah, so in this case, it's Rector. Uh, you know what? I, I killed her. <laughs> I actually did kill her, and I... The joke is evolving. Yeah, the joke is changing. Mm-hmm. I do like how this became like a really depressing Haunted Mansion version of King of Queens. <laughs> <laughs> And the thing is, the activity seemed to only get stronger after Henry Bull died. Mm. On July 28, 1900, the Bull sisters were returning to the rectory from a small local party. You just see them picking out their grundles. Just, what a party that was, huh, Sister Bull? Yeah, Sister Bull. That was a pretty good time, wasn't it? Well, as they approached the house, Ethel, Frida, and Mabel all saw the figure of a nun dressed in black with their head bowed gliding along the nun's walk. Thinking that maybe they were all hallucinating, one of the girls ran into the house and grabbed Dodie to make sure she saw it too. Now, Dodie figured it was just a nun out on a walk. Well, maybe the nun was collecting for charity, but when Dodie approached the figure, 
the nun completely vanished. Get her! That was your plan, Ray? (laughs) Now, to the Reverend Harry Bull, all of this was absolutely fascinating. Having shared his father's keen interest in the paranormal, Harry Bull never had the slightest problem with any of the ghosts at Borley Rectory and was actually a member of one of Britain's psychical societies. He was super into it. See, Harry sounds like the cool pastor. You know, the guy only Plays wears... guitar, yeah. Play... <laughs> yeah. You know, Jesus was the original hippie. Yeah, man. He had earrings and stuff like that. He also didn't mind piercings. And they hold up their hands. <laughs> You're like, oh, I see. Because he was crucified. Is that why he didn't mind piercings? Because you know what? He actually did mind them. Because it really hurt when he was like Yeah, he was screaming. He yeah, was he screaming. Was like, and then they fucking starved him to death on a fucking crucifix. But yeah. no, dude, it's really cool that you wear Jankos. <laughs> like a cool pastor. Well, Harry... Bull only wore his clerical dress on Sundays and was described by all his by all of his friends as quote perfectly normal. Just sure. normal guy. Normal guy. <laughs> normal guy. The only odd thing about Harry Bull was that he could hail a specter as easily as one could hail a friend. Hold on a second. The description of him is a normal guy. Uh-huh. Except for he can hail a ghost. <laughs> So you know what I'm going to say? Abnormal. Just Abnormal not, guy. not the most normal guy. Just because he wears Levi jeans. How much more exciting would I be as a friend if I was just been like, oh, hey, hey guys, we got to record. You're right. You got to record. See you soon, Samuel Clements, the real name of Mark Twain. And then Mark Twain just appears next to me. We just fucking high five each other. Like, yeah. Goes back to fucking hell. Normal guy. Pretty normal friend Henry. Normal yeah, guy. You know, totally normal. Yeah. Well, everybody in town liked Harry Bull. He was like a local character. He Because he always just talked about the ghosts on the record grounds in just a matter of fact tone. It's like, yeah, we got ghosts. What about it? It's cool. You can come see him if you want. I wish you would stop talking about it. (laughs) Harry was also a cat man. Because Borley Rectory never had any less than 20 cats during his tenure. They'd follow him around everywhere. Again, questioning the perfectly normal. (laughs) Because I feel like only the recently divorced man... Is a true cat man. Oh, you know yeah. I mean, like, yeah. where your cats have become just, like, you just imagine your 20 cats are each just one twentieth of the woman that you used to love. Yeah, <laughs> just cut to him trying to check into a uh, Motel 6 extended stay with a bag that's just actively yeah, full of cats. Yeah. Like, sir, sir, do you have cats in that bag, sir? Because no, no, want- this is my work computer. That's your work yeah, computer. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like cats. Well, there were so many cats that Borley Rectory had a cat cemetery. There you could see headboards for each and every cat with names like Jim, Sandy, or Rolo. Rolo the cat's key. It is cute. cute. They have cat one through five. They have Caddy, Catsburg. They got Borley Rectory Jr. Frunkles the cat, Rumples the cat, Licky the cat. He was killed. Adolf Hitler? No, no, that's not a cat grave. That is the real grave of Adolf Hitler. Next to his dog, Adolf Hitler. But the bulls could have also been heaping all these dead cats on top of a centuries-old plague pit. Oh, come on. You you moved. <laughs> you moved the stones, but you didn't move the bodies. You got to move the bodies, guys. Come on. I, I rewatched that recently. That is so stupid. What? You moved they didn't the stones? move the bodies. You got to move the bodies. No shit. <laughs> Dude, it was all over Edinburgh. 
The entire place is that scene. The entire city (laughs) is that scene. (laughs) There are bones in the masonry. They just mix bones in with the masonry for years. The bones of the deceased. But if you want to think that this is like, oh, this is old-timey thinking, after 9-11, would never forget, after, uh, obviously, after 9-11, when they were excavating, they would stop construction every time they found a fragment of a bone. And I know it was to, like, identify it, but I yeah. guarantee you there was also a fire captain who was like, if there's one bone stuck down here, this whole place is haunted. So it doesn't even matter if there's one bone, World Trade Center 1 is going to look real nice for ghosts to live in, Okay. <laughs> See, during the Great Plague of 1664 to 1665, it was a tradition amongst the locals to throw the dead bodies in a big pit on the rectory grounds. Mm. And before you say that this was the cause of the haunting, know that this was fairly common in England. Plague victims were thrown about pretty willy-nilly, which is one of the reasons why it's still fairly easy to find human remains in the UK dirt. Which is why Marcus feels so at home there, and why he loves the food so much. It is extremely bizarre. <laughs> it is notoriously known, although, you know, it's gotten better. It's so much better. But the, no, it is not so much better. <laughs> it is not. I said, it's it has gotten better for itself, but it's not seasoned. Uh, it, it is absolutely seasoned. My dad, <laughs> we're going to get it. This is a long t- This is for a relax fit episode because Marcus can literally taste a granule of salt in any food that's in there. <laughs> a single pepper. Yeah. He can taste. Well, I will say that I did find some good blood sausage here in the neighborhood so i'm feeling pretty good about that (laughs) i'm so happy (laughs) now there are some people who say that harry bull's experiences with the paranormal were once again hallucinations but unlike his father harry bull did not have syphilis rather harry bull was a narcoleptic you'll never be as good as your father (laughs) harry now narcolepsy doesn't that also have some hallucinatory properties as well what narcolepsy you just kind of fall asleep are you but you're not super tired all the time uh narcolepsy is a pretty uh wide and varied mm. uh disease or i wouldn't call it a disease i guess a disorder uh people have different uh symptoms with narcolepsy some yep. people uh seem to be like very tired they just don't remember anything that mm-hmm. they're doing mm-hmm. uh others do just like doze off immediately uh and some people with narcolepsy they they are just tired all the time narcolepsy is not like a one and done type of thing. I actually, I actually, this is true. I just watched a great documentary about narcolepsy. It was called Deuce Bigelow, male gigolo. And at oh. one point, he goes on a date with a woman who ne- who's necolarctic. 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 And anyway, to keep her from putting her face into the soup, he ties her hair to a pole. Uh-huh. I so I've heard that's a good that documentary. That documentary is incredible. And it was stiffed at the Oscars. It, it really was. Because just to see the emotional arc. Of a male gigolo. Yep. No, I agree. <laughs> what, he, what he went through. Yeah. I know. I, I still want it. Yep. Yeah, I know. While Harry Bull was known to doze off in the middle of meals and was found sleeping in his garden more than a few times. <laughs> That's funny, though. <laughs> but during Harry's time at the rectory, more than a few people outside of his family saw the nun. One local named Thompson said that he used to go to the rectory to play dominoes with Harry Bull, but on one series of nights, Thompson kept getting rebuffed again and again by the sight of a nun coming in and out of the house. Hmm. Thompson figured the rector was just busy each night, got nun business. (laughs) So he went home each night and tried again the next. Finally, on the fourth night, Thompson managed to get to the reverend before the nun, and Harry asked where Thompson had been all these nights. 
When Thompson said that he saw that a nun was out and about on the grounds, Harry responded matter-of-factly, Oh, you saw the ghost? Don't worry, she's always around. Uh, what? <laughs> what? Hey, um, choose any one of these cats for your paramour of the evening. I would say choose Gapy. Gapy is obviously the most forgiving of my pets. I have just heard two pieces of information that is horrifying. Down, Gapy. Down. I haven't time for you. It's none business to be about. <laughs> but there was one apparition that rattled even Harry Bull. It was the only time that Harry Bull said that he was a little bit afraid of one of these things. Ooh. One day, Harry thought he'd spotted a poacher on the rectory grounds, but he was only able to see the man's legs through the trees. But when Harry pushed through the bushes, what he thought was a poacher was actually... A headless apparition Ooh. who scampered away and disappeared when Harry got too close. Scam- <laughs> yeah, I wonder how it sounds. It must just make gurgly sounds, really. Yeah. I just don't think it would scamper away. Would it? That, is that kind of scary? Yeah. Like the idea of it doing like fucking Jack Skellington dance, yeah. like away from you in the bushes. Yeah, scampering away, making that noise that uh, that the Judge Doom made in Who Framed Roger Rabbit oh, after he got yeah. flattened out. That. Dude, no fucking spoilers, man. <laughs> Good noises. Oh yeah. Well, the employees of the Bull family continued being tormented by the ghost during Harry's tenure as well. The Bull family gardener, Edward Cooper, and his wife lived on the grounds in the rectory cottage between 1916 and 1929, and they had their fair share of ghostly experiences. They said that night after night, they heard the sound of a dog padding around in the hallway outside of their room. And the sound continued every night until it finally culminated with a fantastic crash in the kitchen. But when Edward Cooper went to see what happened, he saw that everything in the kitchen was an apple pie order. Weird. Apple Wouldn't it have been pie? actually scarier if it was Harry Bull nude but with a dog <laughs> leash on? Yeah. yeah the- I'm sorry I was playing a game with my cats. I was their adversary. And we were having a mental tete-a-tete to see who was the most superior. Oh, it's like a ghost Marmaduke. <laughs> now, of course the Coopers saw the nun, but their most impressive sighting was that of the Phantom Coach. The co- a coach? Not like a, a, like not a, a not, not, <laughs> I don't know how to whistle, but challenge flag, like a coach? No, it's not like Jimmy Johnson hanging around in their That's a room. great, that's a 30-year-old sports reference. You guys are literally doing great. <laughs> We're starting into the 90s now. <laughs> Who's the, the guy from the, bu- from the, the, from the Steelers with the mustache? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, Gorbachev. Yeah, Ra- Randall Grammer. Uh, Duber- Randall Grammer. Dubercheck. Bill Dubercheck. Bill, Bill Dubercheck Duber- it is. It's Mike Mike Tomlin is there now. <laughs> no, no, the one before that. The one that always looked the one that looked like Bill the Butcher. Uh, uh Hershebit. No, I actually <laughs> don't know this guy's name. No, I actually am getting stuck here. You know, he's very, very famous. Yeah, yeah. His yeah. name is um Eduardo Peppermint. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'll come to me. I'll shoot I'll shout it out and interrupt you guys what it does. No, like a carriage. Not a coach. Oh. Not a football coach, like a carriage, like a horse drawn carriage. Oh, forget about it. <laughs> okay. Well, Bob Uecker. Not Bob Uecker. 
Well, on one moonlit night, Cooper said he was looking out of his window while getting undressed for bed when he saw two lights approaching the rectory. Mm. And as the lights drew nearer, Cooper realized that they were the lamps of an old-fashioned coach. Two black horses pulled the carriage and two men in top hats drove it. And the whole thing passed through a hedge, through the courtyard, and across the road without making a single sound. Damn. You can just see their faces. It is the scene of the uh, it is the scene of the gravedigger in the haunted mansion ride of him mm-hmm. of just them staring out the window to see this fucking phantom coach just like ripping around the outside of their house, just going, "What the fuck is this fucking bullshit?" <laughs> Meanwhile, you got Harry Bull just like letting cats feed off his nipples. <laughs> He's sitting there being like, "I can't seem to bother them." Oh, I wish I could provide food just for my own simple bodice, but I guess it is another night of tuna for my poor daughter. Oh, <laughs> give him something. Well, Cooper hollered for his wife, but by the time she got to the window, the coach was gone. Well, one of the more underrated specters, in my opinion, at Borley Rectory is one that both the Coopers and Harry Bull saw. See, one night, Mr. and Mrs. Cooper woke up to see a black shape in the form of a little man running around their bedroom. Oh, that's fun. (laughs) Yeah, they didn't really comment on the mood of the specter. They just said, little man running around. Like, bed, uh, what is it, Debrobs and doorknobs? Bedrock and doorknobs? My brain is done. (laughs) Bedrock, bed, you know what I'm talking about? No, you're No, I just let you struggle. I I just want to hear what you say, what words come out of you. Bed knobs and doorknobs. No, bed. It is a move. You sound like a man who's wandered into a Joanne Fabrics right before closing, right before closing, who has just been getting hammered on gin outside no, with the jumps. It's because my brain is... And, and, and <laughs> my brain is split into four ways right now because I'm trying to remember the name of the damn Steelers coach because I know our audience knows it and they're screaming inside of their Kias right now. Do you want me to look it up? No, I don't no. want to look it up. Okay. Absolutely it's not. come to me. Bob Euchre. No, it's not Bob Euchre. <laughs> Broomsticks and doorknobs. <laughs> but either way, he's sort of, he is correct. This shit's really, really strange. You have, like, everybody's seeing shit who's living inside this house. You got a tiny little ghost version of Burgess Meredith showing up, like, in the shadows, going like, I don't want to, you can have her, she's too fat. <laughs> this is in a totally different house. This is in the carriage house. This oh is not in the God. rectory itself, because the actually the rectory grounds are quite large. You got the house, you got the carriage house, you got the summer house. There's all sorts of, pla- there's all sorts of places for ghosts to hide and appear. Ooh. Well, that's what I find interesting. Back when this is a literally a new construction, because they had to keep each family as they went, they expanded the house and they would build new different areas, different mm-hmm. rooms, hallways as the family increased. And they said every single time they build a new house, every single time they build a new room, a fucking ghosts would show up in it. Damn. It's like it's a it's a hotel. <laughs> no kidding. Now, the little old man that they saw running around the room could be Another gardener who'd been employed by the Bull family 200 years previous named Old Amos. Damn. See, Amos was a bit of a family character, and stories about Old Amos had been handed down through the generations. And the link between Harry and Cooper concerning Old Amos came when Harry Bull saw the figure of a little old man on the rectory lawn one day. Mm. According to Harry, the old man had one hand pointed towards the sky and the other pointed to the ground. Up there's where the birds live. Down there 
is where my daughter lives. <laughs> oh, man, that's sad. Jeez. I don't even want to know how your daughter died. I did it. Okay. <laughs> Let's just face facts. I did it. Coach Cower. Cower. Nice. Richter. <laughs> and when Harry got close enough to look at this specter's face, he saw that the specter had all the distinct facial features of the old Amos from the stories. Okay. And of course, the apparition vanished before Harry could communicate. And that's the interesting thing about these apparitions. They never even acknowledged the living, much less spoke to them. They did not in any way communicate with people. Did it, they see the people? No. Okay. No, no communication, no real acknowledgement. If they did indeed exist, these apparitions were nothing more than impressions that disappeared should anyone get too close. If you view, if you view residual hauntings sort of like a museum with many exhibits, that your house becomes like a place, or you enter rooms, it seems to be, like this is, I guess, a theory. I mean, who fucking knows? Because there's some people who say that ghosts are literally plasma. They are a type of material that we haven't even identified. But one thing that it could possibly be is a the idea that you go in and literally the spark of your living energy, the actual electricity that goes through your body, essentially creates harmony with particles that have been there forever. The idea of Bell Serum is true. One of these, one of those many times quoted by stoners at one fifteen in the morning, like the idea that all physics breaks down at the quantum level. That unless there is, basically, if we want to insist that there's such a thing as an objective reality outside of our consciousness, there's a lot of problems with physics. But one of that uh, things that that would encapsulate is that literally the energy of your body would fire up residual things that had been there before human bodies that were in those rooms or in that area their particles touched the atoms and the they, all of the bullshit i'm obviously probably just butchering this <laughs> but they go and their simple impressions on reality are there and then your energy creates harmony between those impressions and then they come to life they like turn on hmm uh, Henry, your belt's back. <laughs> yeah. What's even more interesting is that it seems as if some of the people who saw the ghost during the Bull residency later became Borley ghosts themselves. Ooh, that's the dream come true. I don't think it is. Why not? These ghosts don't seem to be doing that bad. Honestly, they're just walking around having a good time. I don't think they're having a good time. They said most of the time the nun looked like she was in great pain. She's a nun. Oh. Have you ever <laughs> seen a nun smiling? They're not allowed to. Yeah, Kathy to Jimmy. She's always smiling. Kathy to Jimmy is not a real nun. <laughs> it's fake. It's unbelievably fake. <laughs> no, I love to. I can't wait to haunt my apartment. You're going to haunt the one that you have in L.A. or just whichever one you die in? Uh, every, everywhere I go, I hope to haunt it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, it's said that the Reverend Harry Bull became a ghost himself when he died in 1927 in the same blue room that his father had passed away in 35 years previous. But we'll get to Harry's ghost on episode two. Ooh, so many great teasers for part two. Do you think that he was just about to die and he's like, wait. Wait, I've got to go to the daddy death room. <laughs> and then just dragged himself to the blue room to make sure he died just where daddy died. You know, there's no windowsill in here. <laughs> 
Now, with Harry gone, there were no more bulls willing to take over the rectory. Hmm. But by the time Harry died, Borley Rectory was an established, haunted house. Twelve clergymen passed over the job until it was finally taken by the Reverend G.E. Smith. Come on. <laughs> From the Saturday Night Live band. Come on. Come on. <laughs> now, G.E. Smith took the job specifically because he did not believe in the paranormal. Pretty soon after he and his wife arrived, they started experiencing all new sorts of phenomena. It all began with whispering. Night after night, they heard murmurs, and only once did G.E. Smith make out anything comprehensible. I think I heard, story, (laughs) Chevy Chase. (laughs) G.E. Smith heard a very urgent voice saying, don't, Carlos, don't. What in the world? Is Carlos eating too much ice cream again? (laughs) Stop sealing their material, Carlos. (laughs) Write your own jokes. After that, the servant bells began to ring mysteriously, and the Smiths heard the same slow, deliberate footsteps in the upper passages heard by so many people before. Two successive maidservants quit after seeing the nun, and another maidservant saw the phantom coach. Whoa. Now, the Smiths hadn't grown up with the ghosts like the Bulls had, and they sincerely wanted either an explanation or an end to the madness. So, for some reason, they thought the best people to ask for help was the Daily Mail. Always. Of course. Why wouldn't you? Might as well you have a better chance literally asking Coach Bill Cower. <laughs> and it was through the Daily Mail that Borley Rectory was introduced to a paranormal researcher named Harry Price. And that's where we'll pick back up next week for all the poltergeists, body exhumations, and dissociative housewives as you can handle on Borley Rectory Part 2. Woo! And thank you very much to uh, Neil, friend Neil French, for uh, suggesting Borley Rectory. This is the fellow that you had the ghost tour with? Yeah, yeah, me and Henry went on the ghost tour with, and he showed us all of the wonderful public execution spots in all Edinburgh. Isn't that great? Awesome. It was really wonderful. No, and I'm excited about this tale. We have a whole month of spooky coming at you. We have this spooky, next week more spooky, something a little more funny and spooky the next week, and something truly (laughs) disgusting. For Halloween week. That's oh, yeah. great. We're really it, excited for it. Oh, yeah. We really play our cards right. G.E. Smith from Saturday Night Live will be on the next episode. <laughs> really got to do it. Um, awesome. Borley Rectory. That was part one. Part two coming up next week. That is very exciting. Very spooky. If you have any ghost stories or alien stories or whatever stories that are creepy and spooky, send them to sidestorieslpotl at gmail.com. Henry and I are going to be reading two weeks. We're doing two weeks of listener mm. creep show stories. Wow. So we can the goal wait. The goal is to be scary. That's what we're shooting for. We're sure. shooting for scary. Not just Bigfoot erotica. I mean, some might get in there. <laughs> yeah, it but seems it's like you find it. Scary. Yeah, yeah. It's, it just, it seems to sh- come to me. <laughs> really, interesting. It just shows up. Also, we are going to be on the road here in the very near future. We are so excited to finally go to Florida. Oh yeah, my so, family, my to Henry's family. So we got Tampa. 
we got Orlando and, and, and the big show in Miami. So if you are in Miami or in the surrounding area, Fort Lauderdale, uh, just come on out. Enjoy the beautiful weather. We'll get some, uh, we'll get some arepas and some cubanos, and we'll have a great time together. Mm-hmm. So see you in Miami. Cannot wait. October 18th. You're very excited about this Cuban food. Oh, I love it. Uh, oh, my God. It does, we do, uh, does L.A. have good Cuban food? You know, no, I, that's one of those foods I don't eat outside of Florida. Yeah, I love good Cuban food. As do I. Give me a pickle on a sandwich. They love pickles on they, sandwiches. They love pickles on and a I sandwich, love it. but they, they just do it right. Mm-hmm. You ever had ham croquettes? Yeah. With the liquefied ham Ooh. all fried into like little nuggets? Oh, my. Well, I yeah, definitely dog. have to get that. I'm a yeah, bit of a dog. ham connoisseur. I believe that uh, liquefying the ham ruins the taste. She's insane. Yeah, <laughs> he's insane because then you get liquefied ham. It gets faster in your system. You would, you tell me he's not going to eat. I give you a jug of liquefied ham. You're going to sit there with a fucking for an afternoon. You're going to be yeah. looking at the ham going, oh my god, does it taste? But you know, you're going to be taking some nips off of it. Next thing you know, you're going to be up to your fucking eyelashes. In liquefied yeah. Marcus no, is no, like no. the only it, guy that would ever go to prison, and then on the way out, he'd look at the prison chef and be like, what was the recipe for the meatloaf? Because I gotta say, that, that meatloaf, oh, what is it? Oh, it's mostly your cum and a little salt. Okay, thank you. No, liquefied ham makes the, makes the, liquefied ham makes the ham taste squeaky. Squeaky is not a taste. So that this actually, that doesn't he, make any sense. He has like synesthesia. But it, it is for making bad food taste good. You can't, you can't make something taste squeezy. It doesn't. That's not this the way that would work. Well, this is, a, this is a long story. We'll get to it. But even if, if you come to Miami, you'll hear a little bit more about this. And we need you to come to Miami. Yes. Uh, got Tampa. Tampa's pretty much sold out. Orlando's pretty much sold out. Come on out to, to, to fucking Miami. Yeah. It's, it's going to be fun. And what better place to see us three... Oh, boy. How much do we love the sunshine, boys? Oh, my God. We, oh, I we love, love it. it. I love it. Yeah. How much are we just beach boys? We're, we're just beach guys. Yeah, Bleach my bones. I know it. Yeah. No, I mean, Marcus doesn't have to actually take synthetic vitamin D, which you can naturally get from the sun. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. We're, out, we're outdoor people. So, yes, some join us. Join us in Miami, our most natural habitat. Yes. Absolutely. And the dates for that are uh, October 18th in Tampa, October 19th in Miami, and October 20th in Orlando. All also, we're going to be doing a live side, or not we, Henry and Ben are going to be doing Yay. a live side stories from Washington, D.C. on November 8th. Uh, and then, of course, we have another tiny little tour in the Northeast. That's Portland, Maine on 1121, Northampton, Massachusetts on November 22nd, and Buffalo, New York on 1123. And then finally, we're going to have Toronto, Detroit, and Columbus on December 5th, 6th, and 7th. Every single one of those shows, uh, you can buy tickets over on Last Podcast on the Left. Com. All right. And we have one last secret weekend of shows that is about to be unveiled. It's a place that people have been asking us to go for a while. Very, very excited. Yeah. Because we are going to die there. <laughs> um, all right, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. Thanks for supporting all the shows here on the Last Podcast Network. I'll just do a little plug here for Kind of Fun. That should be dropped in the stream. So if you had a chance to listen to that, thank you so much. And uh, Katie and I are loving interviewing all the wrestling up-and-comers and and wrestling stars. And uh, we're going to keep on doing that. So thank you all so much for your support. And never forget, hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Again. Magustalations? Hail me, man. Hail me, man, because I I hurt my back sleeping. You did Mm. again? Again. Yeah. Back has been killing me. You gotta stop doing that. Sleeping? No, you need to. I gotta sleep. stop sleeping. You need to. Sleep sleeping more. is bad. 
I never That's heard the problem. of that before. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I hurt my back putting on my shoes all the time. That's normal, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but this is like crazy. Maybe it's gremlins, man. Maybe it is the gremlins. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work. Tasks are taking forever to complete. And getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers, 37,000. That's the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. Get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. With NetSuite, it's everything you need to grow, all in one place. Get your business back to the greatness where it belongs. Learn more at netsuite.com slash podcast 25.